Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Good morning. That was good, wasn't it? So refreshing. Such a good time in his presence and in worship. Thanks for being here. If you don't know me, my name's Keith. I'm guessing there's no new guests on Memorial Day weekend, but just in case, I am the pastor here, and I'm really glad that you've joined us this Sunday morning. Um, Way to go, way to come to the 9 a.m. service. How many of you knew by a show of hands, how many of you know that we're only having one service today? Awesome. Well, only half of you, so good, good pick, the other half. If you guys could tell anybody that you see walking in late that we're not having service at 11, that'd be great for me, so I don't have to, okay? Um, no, really glad that you're here today. I want to take a moment, uh, just like we do uh, every Memorial Day weekend, and just honor uh, the families who've gone before us and served our country, and, uh, and who honestly have given up their life for us. Uh, we, you know, it, it doesn't pass me by that, that we actually, today, we get to worship freely because people actually fought and died for our country. That's just the truth. And um, there's, there's families that have sacrificed uh, be, be, uh, for us to be able to just worship freely and to be here and to listen to a message and just to come and, and do what we do. And so I want to just honor all of those who have come before us, who served our country. You know, there's a scripture that says, no greater love than this than for one man to lay down his life for another. There's actually nothing that you can do that that is a greater love than that. And um, so I just want to honor the families here today. Um, If if you're, in fact, if you're here today and you you know someone um, that's been in your family who who passed away serving our country, um, we just want, I want to ask you to stand and we just want to honor you today and your family and we're going to lay hands on you and just pray for you. Is there anybody like that in here today? Or maybe just raise your hand if you feel more comfortable. Yeah, got a couple of you. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Awesome, thank you. Can we give all them a big hand clap? Come on. So amazing. So let's just pray. Lord, we thank you right now. We thank you for all those who who have come before us and who have just served our country and who have laid down their life so that we could have freedom. Freedom, the freedoms that we walk in today. The reason we get to celebrate, the reason we get to have a day off is, um, is because of them. And so we just remember them. And I ask you, Lord, um, I'm just believing this for the families who have lost someone. I pray that you would give them an extra blessing, that your prosperity would be upon their whole family, their, their children and their children's children, that the generations that go after them would reap the benefit of their sacrifice, would reap the benefit of, of them laying down their life. Yeah, we... We, um, we, we bring up those families to you today and say, Lord, would your face shine upon them? Would you remember them today? Would you remember those kids and the families that are apart? God, that you would shower out your blessing, open doors for them, favor on their life. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bible, open up to John chapter 17. Excited to preach this message today. Since we're only at one service, I'm going to preach way longer. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. Way, way longer. John, John chapter 17. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 8. What we find here is Jesus, he's actually, um, he's actually praying. These are the words of Jesus. They are um, captured by his disciples that I think we're standing nearby to, to actually hear him praying this to the Father. 
Um, uh, if you go through 14, 15, 16, 17 of John, you, you see the teachings of Jesus. It's, it's one of my favorite portions of Scripture because it's all red letters. It's, all, it's, it's talking about the vine and all these, these really, really cool analogies that Jesus has. And, um, and it's, it's these teachings right before he goes to the cross. He's teaching about the Holy Spirit. He's teaching about what he did here on the earth. In fact, in John chapter 17, this is what we're going to, going to read. It's, he's kind of summarizing and bringing conclusion to what he did. It says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. I want you to notice there why he wants the glory. So he can give it back to him. Verse 2, for you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. This is Jesus speaking of himself. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. A lot of theology in these portions of Scripture right here. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. Really amazing statement by Jesus. Everything I have, talking to the Father, is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. Today I want to continue to talk to you about humility. Humility. Um, this is, everyone said, yay. Humility. Make me feel bad before I get into my long weekend. It's all really, really good. Point out the pride. That's what I'm here to do as a pastor is make you feel bad. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm here to actually encourage you today. But, but today is a, a harder subject, isn't it? Um, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Steve-O, our worship pastor, he, he actually opened this door to humility about three weeks ago. And I just felt like the Lord wanted us to stay on this subject. And um, I, I actually, I, I, love talking about, I love talking about humility because God makes a big promise in Scripture about humble people. You know what he says? He says he'll give you more grace. You, you want to know why we need to talk about humility? Because he gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I need his grace. I need the unmerited, unearned favor of God working in my life. I need his blessing working in my situations. I need his favor working in my marriage. I need his blessings working at my, at my workplace. I need his grace in all that I do. And if there's a way to actually get more grace, I'm in. See, he, he makes this statement in 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6. says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. There's a good message for your kids. Just take that home with you and just preach that, that, preach that to them tonight. Submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. And I love this next statement. And be clothed with humility. See, we should be able, we should be able to walk around and see humility on people. We're called to be clothed in it. Be clothed in humility. And here's a statement. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is a big statement because um, have you ever had someone come up and resist you before? 
They just, they, they maybe, I don't know, husbands, you ever had your, your wife resist you in conversation? Not argument. Y'all don't have those, but in conversations, <laughs> there's some resistance. It doesn't feel good to be resisted. And God, God resists you when you're proud. That's a big statement. He resists the proud. Oh, but, but the promise is, is, is bigger. And actually, you can get motivated about whatever you need to get motivated by today. If it's you don't want to be resisted bad enough to get humble, fine. If you want more grace to get humble, whatever it is, the, 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 the actual answer and the goal is humility. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why? That he might exalt you in due time. See, I need humility. I need his grace working in my life. I don't need God actually resisting me. And truth be told, you know what I probably need more than anything else? What we need more than anything else? We need him promoting us in due time, not us promoting ourselves. I want to be promoted at the right time. You know, I, I, got a lot of, I got a lot of speaking gigs when people found out I played in the NFL. And guess what I was not? I was not ready. I, got, I, got, I actually was not ready for the opportunities. I mean, I look back, if I had to go back and listen to some of my first messages, oh, just, just hit me over the head with something before I do that. Like, I do not want to go back and listen to what I used to say. And I had b bigger opportunities then than I do now. I was promoted, in my opinion, promoted in some areas before it was time. Not because, now not, that was not because I was prideful, but because someone, they, they saw this thing on my life. And they, I, the, the point I'm making, I don't want to be promoted before it's time. I don't want to be put in a situation before it's time. I want to be, I want to be actually so humble that God actually begins to bring me up and put me in places and promote me in places when I have the character to uphold it. Oh, come on, I'm preaching now. This ain't even in my notes today. Y'all ready? That's where I want to be. What will get you there? Not climbing the corporate ladder. In the kingdom, it works differently. You want to go up, you better go down. And then the crazy thing about it is you, you can't go down wanting to go up. You know, oh, I'm going to get humble so that I can get promoted. Pride. Your heart's not pure. It has to be something that we, we really want to do, we really see is of value. It's, it's, it's Christ-like, and that's really what I want to talk to you about today. I want to show you through the life of Jesus what humility really looks like, how important uh, humility really is in our life. Can we do that this morning? So let's just, let's just pray and ask God's help. God, we, help, we ask for your help <clears throat> that you would point out the places of pride in our life we humble ourselves before you. And Lord, I just thank you right now that we don't live in condemnation or shame, that, we're, that we're, we're, you love us, you love us in the midst of our pride. We're just as much a son in our pride. We're just as much a daughter in our pride. So, we can, so, so because we know who we are in you, we can actually bring our pride to you and say, Lord, we just, we want to be humble. We want to look like you. Yeah, Holy Spirit, just lead us today in this conversation in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. 
Amen, amen. You know, one of, the, one of the privileges, I will call it that, that I've had as a dad is I've got to coach my sons in a lot of sports. And I've got to coach a lot of other kids because they happened to show up on the team that I was coaching. <laughs> and, and one of the sports I've, I've got to coach, uh, I've done them all, football, basketball, but um, one of the, the, I think the one that I love the most is baseball, believe it or not. Um, I didn't play baseball through high school or anything, so I know the least amount about it, and so I get the least amount of ticked off when I coach baseball. I know way too much about football and basketball to know, like, you're not good. You are not good. I'm not going to tell your parents, but you're not good. <laughs> I love coaching baseball, and, um, and, and one of the things that you'll see, like, you have, you have 11, 12 kids on your team. And um, anybody gone to a coach pitch game before? You know, the coaches out there pitching that ball. Um, I, I, there, are, there have been some kids that have been on my team who have a better golf swing than they do a baseball swing. And they're up there, and I mean, you've got all kinds of different swings with different kids. You've got the chop, which is practically impossible to throw to that one, right? You've got the golf swing. I mean, I mean kids who are like this far from the ground. And you can, you can teach them as much as you want to teach them. You can talk to them as much as you want to talk to them. They don't care what you say. They're going to swing the way they swing. <laughs> and, um, and, I, and I love it because like, one of the things that you do as a coach is you start to learn the swing of a kid. And if you want them to hit it, guess what you do? You throw the ball right where they're swinging. And I can't tell you how many, how many times I've done this. I mean, I'm talking hard ones. Like, I'm, I mean, one's up here, one's a golf swing, and I'm just out there as a coach, and that's one thing I can do is I can put the ball pretty much where I need to put it. And I'll just put it an inch from the ground. And it blows my mind how happy these kids get because they just swing, their regular swing, it's a golf swing, and just smash the ball. And they're running to first like they're the best baseball player ever. I mean, they're sprinting, they get there, they're all happy, we're high-fiving them. I mean, it's, it's actually amazing to do that, right? But let's just be honest, we all know there was no way they were going to hit that ball unless I put it there. And the more that I, the more that I live and the more that I follow Jesus, the more that I, I, I actually am in relationship with him, the more that I realize that he puts the ball where we can hit it. It is so not about us. The anointings we have, the giftings that we carry, the success that we have. You know, all we really did is we showed up to the plate in our oversized helmet and we took out a, a bat too heavy and we just barely swung it across the plate and God just went right there to us. He just put it right there in place. And, and, and I'm not saying that we don't have a role to play. I'm not saying that we haven't worked hard. And I'm not saying that we haven't done anything for the Lord. But what I am saying is you haven't really done much. That's just, all, it's, it's all we have to do as a believer is we just have to get up and we just have to swing. We just have to show up to the plate. And in our best effort, Put something together and give God something to work with. But, the, but if we have any success, if we have any fruit in our life, guess where it came from? It came from him. He's the one who did it. He's the one who does it, does it through us. Hear me today. Peter was not an expert water walker before he got out of the boat. He just stepped out. 
The kid did not have enough food for the 5,000. He had two loaves, a couple of fish, or five loaves, a couple of fish. And what did he do? He gave God something to work with. But who did it? There were upwards of eight to 10,000 people there that day. And with just a couple of baskets, fed a multitude of people. Who did that? Jesus did that. Who did he decide to work with? Me and you. Did we have much to give? No. But he works with our little. But the point that I want to make to you today is that, and I know this sounds super negative and I don't mean it that way, but we really don't have a lot to be proud of. (laughs) If you really think about it, your swing stinks. But he's that good. But he's that good. That's his grace actually working in our life. That's, that's what his favor and his anointing and his blessing actually does in us. I, I'm not up here preaching because I'm, I'm some great speaker. It's the anointing. The impact that you see the people that you follow in ministry, the impact that they have, the gifts that they have, the amazing things that they do. Oh, you should be so aware that it is so not them. It is so God working through them. I want us to realize that about ourselves because what does it, what does it do? It actually puts us into a very humble place. It puts us in this place of complete dependency upon God. And what I love that it actually does is it actually, be, it actually starts to bring confidence to you. This isn't about walking around with your head down and I'm not anything. No, no, because it's actually through Christ that we're everything. That's the, that's the revelation that we should live in. That's the power that we should walk in. That's the, that's the faith that we should have when we lay hands on someone when we pray for someone, when we go to our job and do the thing we were created to do, we should have the confidence that God is on our side, but we should also have the awareness that we would be nothing without him. It's this weird balance between, man, I am nothing, but I'm everything. That's what communion is. is there's multiple times I grab this cup and I just, this morning I was just, I had such a revelation of dependency upon him. I'm just holding on to this for dear life. Like, Lord, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a son. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. You guys have been here for a while. You know I preach that message. But man, I need this. I need you. I've got to have you. I'm so thankful that I have him. I want to read a handful of scriptures to you today just just to remind us of where everything comes from. James 1.17 says this, every good and perfect gift is from above. <clears throat> Say from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. 1 Corinthians 12.4 says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. How did you get your gift? The Holy Spirit gave it to you. Did you work for it? No. That's why it's called a gift. It was freely given. Every good and perfect thing, 
came from above. Any gift you have came from the Spirit. Romans 12, 3 and 6 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. In other words, he's saying be humble. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. What faith do you have? The faith he gave you. God distributed it to you. Look at verse six. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If you live in church world like me, we all get so enamored by gifts. You start, if, you're, if you're in church for more than two to three, four years, everyone starts to get enamored. You know there's a, there's a church culture, right? Anybody aware of the church culture? The way I'm dressed this, this morning. If I were to walk into Moto Medi or Abuelos and you were to see me, it would be, it would be very easy to go, that guy's in ministry. He's got, a, he's got an undershirt with an over little coat thing, ministry pastor for sure. Oh, cool shoes? For sure, he's a pastor. Spending his tithe on nice sneakers. Just kidding. There's a, there's a culture. We look a certain way. We, we, we dress a certain way. We, it's a whole thing. And one of, the, one of the, the major problems right now in church culture is that we're enamored by the gifts. And, and, and what's worse is the person who has the gift is enamored by themselves. It's just true. They really like themselves. When, the, when, when, when everything about Christianity is you didn't do anything to get what you have, that voice that you have is from him. That speaking ability that you have is from him. That amazing revelation that you have is from him. That ability to, to touch people and the presence of God hit them, it is from him. It's from him. And I, I have to remind myself of that sometimes. We should all be reminding ourselves of that. Like we, we really, we need him. And everything, every good and perfect thing, it has it is come from him. I love 1 Corinthians 4, 7 because it says it straight up. He says, for what gives you the right to make such judgment? He says, what do you have that God hasn't given you? What do you have that God hasn't given you? <laughs> and if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? This should be humbling. This should be very humbling. And what blows my mind this morning is that Jesus himself modeled this humility more than anybody else. I want us to go back to John chapter 17. And, and I, do y'all have the underlines that I, that I sent? Thank, praise Jesus. Look how humble you are. Look at this. He says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. Why? Not for his own glory. Jesus said, didn't give me glory so I could get the glory, so he can give it back to you. And I want you to look at these statements. He says, for you have given him, this is Jesus kind of speaking of himself, for you have given him authority over everyone. You know what Jesus was very aware of? The authority that he had came from the Father. You've given it to me. He gives eternal life to each one. You have given me. 
you have given him. He goes on, and this is the way they have eternal life, to, to, to know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Um, do you notice that Jesus didn't do what he wanted to do, but that he did what his father told him to do? He said, I completed the work that you gave me. He goes on to say, I've revealed you to the ones. Look how humble. I didn't reveal myself. I revealed the Father to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they kept your word. Now they know that everything I have, I, Jesus is saying this, everything I have is a gift from you. Now all my followers know everything that I have, everything I've walked in, the time that I walked on water, the time that I multiplied the food, the time that I raised Lazarus from the dead, all the things, all those times, everything I have came from you. It's a gift from you, God. For I passed on the message you gave me. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. Jesus didn't even get to preach his own messages. He didn't even preach his own messages. He preached the messages that God gave him. Hear me today. Jesus had some messages. He had some things he wanted to say. In fact, he, he made this statement. There's so many things I want to tell you, but you can't handle them. And what he was saying, I just got this. <laughs> what he was saying is, there's so many things I could tell you, but the Lord's not letting me. You're not ready. He didn't even get to preach his own messages. How humble. All the glory he got was for him. It was to the Father. Not to mention this, he said, he said all the people that I have, you gave to me. He didn't, even take, he didn't even take credit for how good his messages were. He didn't, he didn't say, oh, I have all these followers because, you know, I kind of did the miracle thing often. Healed a lot of people, blind people, dead people, paralyzed people. Did crazy things. No, no, no. He said, he, he, this, is his, this is before he's going to the cross. He's concluding his ministry. And look how humble he is. I've done what you told me to do. I've said what you told me to say. I preached the message that you gave me. Everything I have is a gift from you. All the people that I have, I realize that you gave them to me. And the point that I'm making is, how many of you would admit that we're supposed to follow Jesus? Look like Jesus is kind of the whole point, right? We're Christ-like, like Christ. The whole point the whole, one of the biggest points of Christianity is we were made to follow. Jesus, the one that we model, followed. There's another scripture he said, I only, said what I, heard, I only say what I hear my father say and I only do what I see my father do. <laughs> I was actually talking to Braden on the, on, on the way here today and I was like, I, I told him that scripture. I was like, you know when he said that, he was telling the truth. When Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say and only do what I see him do, he meant it. That means that he literally only did and only said. Now remember, he was all God and all man. And remember, he had to hang out with Peter. Anybody got a Peter in their life who's just a little bit annoying, that thinks that they know it all, will rebuke you even when you're the son of God? 
My point, trust me, Jesus wanted to say some things. He, his flesh, he, he, he wanted to say some things to Peter. He wanted to let, let, some, let some things be known. But the truth is he never did it. He never spoke from the flesh not one time. He never spoke from pride not one single time. He was selfless his whole ministry. This is who we're called to model. Like, I don't know if I'm, I'm preaching this good enough. You realize that we're supposed to follow. The fact that you have to follow means you're doing it right. That you, we're, we're, we're created humbly to follow. And you know what that really kind of looks like in, in this day and age? It looks like following someone. And this is a hard message to preach as a pastor because it could sound very prideful. Self-fulfilling. No, no, no. We, we are all created to submit. Submit to the people in our lives. Submit to spiritual fathers and mothers. To have people over our life that can come and say, hey, I need you to do this. Hey, you, you're kind of slipping right here. Well, like the scripture that we read in 1 Peter, it said to submit to everyone around you, right? He said, young bucks, this is my translation. He said, hey, young bucks, submit to the elders. They know more than you. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and humility comes and, you know what humility, it doesn't get mad about submitting. It wants it. It realizes. Humility realizes how stupid that you are. Like, I can could, I could, I could make some really dumb decisions here. I really need some smart people in my life. I really want some smart. I, we want to be submitted. And then it goes on to say, not just for younger people, he said, yes, all of you be submissive to one another. We can't live our life just, just submitted to God. And this is going to a place that I did not plan to go, but we're going. It's not scriptural. No, I'm just, I'm, are, you, are you submitted to anybody? No, I'm, I'm just submitted to God. I, did, I needed that music. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, submission. <laughs> oh, that was good. <clears throat> we, we need to be, we actually are called to submit to one another. Submit your lives one to another. Ephesians 5. Before it ever gets into husbands loving your wives and wives respecting your husbands and submitting to your husbands, right? jump one more verse, and verse 32 says, submit your life one to another. And, it's, and I love this, submitting, submission is, it has a bad rap, but it's scriptural. And it's, submitting is not just getting someone, someone's advice. Braden preached on this not too long ago. It's laying your life down and say, I, I actually want to submit this to you. Tell me what to do here. Submission looks like honor. It's, it's, it's just honoring. It's like when someone talks, you give, you give weight to it. You just, you, you give weight. You lay down what you're carrying and you give weight. Hear me today. If you're looking for more humility in your life, Start submitting to the ones around you. It'll humble you real quick. And it'll scratch that pride. It'll, it'll just, you know the little scratch and sniff stickers? That's what happens when you start getting around people and you actually submit. It'll just start scratching and it'll just start revealing the nasty smelling pride that's on you. 
That's a really good analogy right there. I kind of like that. I'm going to use that. I want to give you 10 things. I'll, I'll close with this. Give you 10 things that humble people do. I want to look at your life as a way just to kind of turn inward. Now remember, we're not here. This is not about condemning you, bringing shame to you. This is about bringing truth. We're not here to call you to, you know, to call you out. We're here to call you up. Um, so as I say these things, I want you to just turn inward and go, do I, do I do these things? Do I look like this? Would people say this about me? Number one, here's what humble people do. Humble people listen. They're good listeners. Steve will preach on this three or four weeks ago. They're just, they're good listeners. They listen. Number two, humble people serve. Humble people serve. They serve in the kingdom. They serve in their church. They don't just, they don't do the easy things. They'll sign up even for the hard things. Uh-oh, serving cards are about to be passed out. Y'all ready? Sign up for kids ministry. Here we go. But humble people serve. Do you know what every person in this church wants to do? They don't want to serve. Every person wants to come here and they want to drop those crazy kids that they brought off down there and they want to be here for the first song and they don't want to think about them until they go pick them up. They want to hear the message. They want, that's what every, everyone wants to do that. I'm very aware. <laughs> if I wasn't the pastor, that's what I would want to do. That's exactly what I would do. Do not put me in kids ministry. Well, some of you are called to kids ministry. Some of you are made for it. And some of you just need to humble yourself and just do it because it needs to be done for the family here. And back to Banning's message, I'll peel potatoes. It's Thanksgiving. I do, I, nobody wants to peel potatoes, but I will because I'm, I'm a part of the family. This is my church. And humble people, they serve. They serve. <clears throat> this kind of goes along with that one. Humble people think about other people. They just think about others. This can be a really thin line because a lot of people think about others because they want the approval of other people. And that's actually opposite of humility. That's actually pride. They want to be seen a certain way. We all deal with that. But I'm talking about in a humble sense, they, you actually think about others. You think about what they might want, what they might want to do. You just have other people on your mind. That leads me to point number four. Humble people do what others want to do. And can I just say I'm preaching to myself this morning? I just want to just make this very, very clear. Humble people do what others want to do. They eat where other people want to eat. They will go to their restaurant after church. Oh, this one's about to really convict some of you. Humble people watch what other people want to watch on TV. Your wife does not care about the Sunday night football game because you've been watching the Sunday afternoon game and the Saturday night game and the Thursday football game. For God's sakes, can we watch something else on the TV? And humble people will turn on a different show and put the game on their phone and watch their phone. 
It's just what humble people do. Whatever you gotta do. If you gotta lie to be humble, just lie. No, I'm kidding. I'll do it. <clears throat> but they serve, they think about other people, they do what others wanna do. This is just true, number five. Humble people aren't entitled. Pride, prideful people are entitled. See, what does it mean to be entitled? It means that you think that you deserve something. I deserve to, I deserve to. It's this entitlement thing. Humble people are not entitled. Humble people do what Jesus said when he, when he preached the parable. He said, hey, there's this banquet and you're, you're invited to the table. Don't assume the, 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 the head spot at the table. Take the lowest spot so that if someone more distinguished walks in, they don't have to move your butt to the lower seat. But no, take the lower seat and let Jesus come in and promote you to the upper seat. Like humble people, they're not, they don't think they deserve the, the, the best seat. They, they're just, they're, they're not entitled. Number eight, I'm sorry, number seven. Nope, number six. Humble people are pleasant to be around. Ask yourself, are you pleasant to be around? <laughs> I bet if you were to think of a humble person right now, someone who you know who's just like, man, they're just always so humble. I promise 100% of you like that person. You like them. You like when they are around. You wanna know why? Because they probably listen to you. They probably care about you care about what you have to say like humble people are they make great friends and you can look at yourself and not in condemnation or shame but just ask yourself am I pleasant to be around and if not there might be some pride there that maybe you want to say what you want to say and you want to dominate conversation and you it's all, it's, it's in all of us. But, but here's the seriousness of it. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. The pleasant to be around. Number seven, this one really got me. Um, humble people aren't in a hurry. You get around someone who's really humble, if you're anything like me and like you're, you're kind of made, made the way that I am, humble people, you kind of just want to get a whip behind them and be like, would you do something? Like, would you move just a little bit faster? Like, my gosh, you'd miss it if Jesus came back. You're moving so slow. <clears throat> oh, the Lord so convicted me. Humble people aren't in a hurry. And, and, and this will really start to make sense to you. Um, he really convicted me in the area, <laughs> we seem to talk about this all the time, when I'm driving. Now let me say it this way, when you're driving. Because you know what pride says? All of you are idiots. None of you know how to drive. Who gave you that car to begin with? Why are you the way that you are? 
I'm saying all the, the nice things that I think. I won't tell you all the other things, you wouldn't come back. But, we, but, but pride says, um, I'm more important than you on this road. And we don't think that consciously. But when you dig, you think this, I'm smarter than you and I'm a better driver than you. It's pride. And humble people, they don't get in a hurry. Because you know what? Humble people, <clears throat> oh, this is about to hurt. This one's going to hurt. And I'm, I'm, I'm on, the, on a three-month struggle with this. Humble people get up when their alarm goes off. So they're like, you know what? Oh, I can sleep in. Oh, I can be late. I'm fine. And then what does that do? It, 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 it's like, well, I'm going to do what I want to. Ultimately, it's like, I'm going to do what I want to do. And then I'm gonna be in a hurry and act like everybody else is dumb for not being in one. When it was your butt that slept in. When it was my, sorry, when it was my butt that slept in. And it puts you in a hurry. Humble people aren't in a hurry in conversation. Come on, we've all been there. We were like, oh my gosh, will this person please finish their flipping story? We didn't need all those details. And if you would be quiet, I could tell a way better one. <laughs> Amen, right? It's true. You're probably right. You probably could. But humble people aren't in a hurry. I get so convicted in this area when it comes to my kids. And they just talk to me about the things I just don't care about. It's like, I'd, if you talk to me about a Pokemon card one more time, my goodness. Be delivered in Jesus' name. <laughs> what are we doing? But humility as a parent goes, it's the most humble thing you can do. It's like, I'm gonna lay down my tiredness. I'm gonna lay down what I wanna do. Yes, I'll go play catch. Yes, we'll talk about Pokemon cards. Yes, we'll get on Amazon and look up that thing that you've been wanting to buy that you won't leave me alone about. See, humble people, they're, they're just not in a hurry. They're not in a hurry. Number eight, humble people don't complain. Humble people don't complain. Number nine, this one's gonna be for some of you. I'm looking around, see if I can find the one that I really wanna preach this to. All right. Um, humble people, their plans can get interrupted. Humility lets your plan get interrupted. It doesn't throw a fit when you made all these plans and they don't go to plan. They don't go to, this is what, oh, this is what I had planned to do, this is what I wanted to do. It was all perfect until it all got messed up. And pride wants its way. Pride wants to stick with its way. I mean, <clears throat> this is gonna sound super silly. There was a season in my life where I gotta, I'm just gonna admit, admit my sin, are you ready? I'm addicted to pre-workout. Anybody else? Thank you. Like, I figured this out a long time ago. You don't have to make yourself work out, you just have to make yourself take pre-workout. And if you take that, you better work out. And I, I, love, I love the taste, 
I love the way it makes me feel. I love getting the tinglys and the ants all over my face and just itching away. It's just great. It's borderline drugs, but it's not. It's just a good thing. Hey, y'all leave me alone. You got your own stuff. If your pastor just deals with pre-workout, you can keep coming to church here, all right? And there was a season where the Lord, I would, I would like make my pre-workout and he would tell me not to take it. And I'm like, how, how dare you? But it, it interrupted my plan. I wanted to do this. I was going to go here. I was gonna, and he interrupted it. And it was a chance to just get humble. It's, it was, I want to do this, but I'm going to choose to obey you. Why would the Lord care if you took pre-workout? He doesn't. He cares if you're humble. Their plans could get interrupted. And the last one, I'll close with this. Humble people care who they represent. They care who they represent. They care that they represent maybe their company that they work for. They care that they represent maybe their church or their family. Ultimately, they care that they represent Jesus. And a humble person will lay down, they will lay down the thing that they don't even have a conviction about because the Lord in that moment tells them to. Um, I don't believe it's wrong to drink alcohol. I believe it's wrong to get drunk. You wanna go out and have a glass of wine, a cocktail at a restaurant? I think it's perfectly fine unless the Holy Spirit tells you not to. Unless he says in that moment, ah, not right now. See, humble people, they care who they represent. And yeah, you have, you have your conviction, you have your belief, but it might, there might be someone in the room that doesn't. And the Holy Spirit knows. And so you just, uh, uh, Lord, if, if this is what you want me to lay down, or I, I, I care, I'm gonna care how I talk in this situation. I'm not performing. No, no, don't, don't get it wrong. I'm not performing for people. I'm following. Because I care ultimately who I represent. And, and this, will, this will have you do things in your job. Hear me today. You wanna learn how to represent the father good? Represent your boss good. Represent your workplace good. It takes humility to do that, even when you may disagree. Oh, he wants me to dress up, and he wants me to shave, and he wants me, there's some crazy things out there. I'm glad I'm a pastor, because we can just pretty much do what we want when it comes to appearance. Some of you gotta look a certain way and dress a certain way, hum, humility. All right, this is the culture, you got it. Because they care who they represent, amen? close with this last, this last point. I know I've said that three times now. Galatians 6.3. I just, this is kind of, I just want to minister to you here. Galatians 6.3 says, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. The scary thing about pride is pride leads to deception. And the scary thing about deception is when you are deceived, you don't know it. 
that is the nature of deception, is that you don't know that you are deceived. And I felt like the Lord showed me this. I've never, I've never heard this before. And I'm kind of embarking on more revelation on this. But he said, you may not be able to see your deception, but you can see your pride. You may not be able to tell when you're deceived, but you can see pride when it's there. And, and, and what I want you to understand today is that if you see pride in an area of your life, there is a chance that you are deceived in that area. If you, let me just make it super simple and practical. When you are in an argument with your spouse, if you can stop and you can admit you're being prideful, chances are you might be deceived and they might be right. They might know what they're talking about. You, you, may, you, you can't recognize it in the moment, can you? You are so bent, the words, there's a word in front of that, bent on your way and your point of view. And I'll, but humility goes, I'm gonna, hold on, I'm gonna listen. And where you might have not, you've been misunderstood or you might be deceived in the way you're seeing a certain situation, all of a sudden humility comes and it, and it, it descales you. It wipes the scales from your eyes and goes, oh my gosh, no, you, you were, you're actually right. I was wrong. So this is a tool that we can use. Is this making sense? Where you go, I don't wanna be deceived. I wanna see truth. Pride leads to deception. Humility leads to truth. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.